This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low, or Instagram at Nearside Low underscore podcast. And here we are, Nearside Low Podcast, Season 3, Episode 8. Ray, we're here. Yeah, we're still here. And yeah. we are still <laughs> here. Folks, if you saw my setup here, you would laugh. But anyhow, 9.52 on Tuesday night, and we uh, we want to give the, uh, the audience uh, what they want. So that's why we're here doing this kind of stuff. So, as we like to do with all of our podcasts, we will start out with our question of the week recap. Ray, it's like a roller coaster. We hit, we bottom out, then we go high, and then we bottom out again. And this week, ah, only 18 votes. It pains my heart. What was the most important factor in determining seeding for the district tournament? We only had 18 total votes. I think last week we had 72 total votes. Um, but anyhow, hey, we'll take what we can get here. Uh, we had a 50% overall composite record was voted for. 28% recent play or record. 17% potential in districts, and then 5% said other, but nobody gave us any verbal responses, so <laughs> we honestly don't know what other means. But anyhow, I'm no mathematician, but that was probably only one or two votes. Anyhow, uh, so it looks like it was overall composite record. I guess I would agree with that. I think, Ray, I think you would probably agree with that. Um, looking at the district seed meeting, which we will talk about a little bit later, I think most coaches voted on overall composite record. Ray? You agree, yes? I, I agree. That that would have been my vote as well. Especially with this with this, I mean, two months of play. I think overall you've got to wait it on the course of the season. Obviously, I mean there for the potential district and play, one team we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, uh being Ladue High School, who's been playing really well. They were seated ninth, which um has been about where they were. They, they would be probably the case for picking a team maybe a little bit higher based on their potential. But if I was doing the, the brackets, which I, which I don't get a vote, but um, I would definitely pick the overall composite record. All righty. And a uh, huge shout out to uh, Anjela Nazca. That is the uh, legendary Alex Nazca sister. She did submit a couple images for our deck pack deck past design. Unfortunately, Ray and I are not on the ball, and so we had not gotten word that the deck pass design had to have been turned in, I don't know, a week prior. So um, we are saving those for potentially next year, uh, but we just wanted to give her a little shout-out on the podcast because she took some time out of her afternoon to design some um, pretty nice-looking deck passes. So, Anyella, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. I mean, I thought those passes looked awesome, and we're definitely going to hang on to them because they're definitely – uh, potentials to be used in the future. So thank you for submitting those. All righty. And so our new question of the week, Ray and I were grasping at straws for this one. Um, Ray didn't have any phenomenal conversations on the pool deck with other coaches. Um, and I mean, I had some, but none that really I thought were question of the week worthy. But we decided just to ask everybody, what was their favorite tournament of this year? Um, we will pick four tournaments from St. Louis. Um, and we will let you guys vote on which one you found to be the most enjoyable. Maybe it was uh, the matchups. Uh, maybe it was the coaches. Maybe it was the referees. Maybe it was the fans. We don't know. But we want to hear from you. Um, anyhow, all right. Uh, let's jump into recap of games. Ray, we had a wild weekend. 
the Limburg Invitational um, was at full strength as usual, and there were some barn burners. Um, Ray, I know you were not there as you were in the um, beautiful weather of, I think, Houston, Texas. Is that correct? I was, yep. He was. So I was tweeting you some updates. Um, I've got a couple of things that I'll throw in there. Um, we had two visitors from Chicago. Um, I did not get to see St. Patrick's play that much, um, so I'm not really going to comment on them. But we did get to play, uh, I think, was it St. Charles North? Um, yep. It was a team that came down. Um, they were small in number. I think they only had two people on their bench, but they were big in size. I mean, every one of their guys was a monster. Um, and they actually kind of ran kind of a zone-style defense, which I think – uh, stymied a lot of teams. I know it stymied the Parkway West Longhorns at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday. Um, we really struggled to figure out what we wanted to do on that. Um, so huge kudos to uh, St. Charles North for the defensive style that they played. We're used to pressing and feeling a press, so um, that was exciting. I think we ended up pulling away with a 5-3 win, um, and they did have one or two uh, players that I would say were quite dominant um, that we had to, we had to really um, play, play defensive well on. I know the tournament, as it rolled on, I think the final four ended up being uh, Lindbergh playing Parkway South and then SLU playing Parkway West. Um, it was good to see Lindbergh in action. They are at full strength. I know they had one of their individual players. He was a lefty. It had some injuries earlier in the year, but he is back full time. Um, and I know South had um, one of their players, Marco, who had been kind of sitting a couple games with a potential injury, um, but he was there. Um, had his hand wrapped up, played a little bit with his left hand, um, and and dazzled with that. Um, I was impressed. So um, it's good to see some of these teams at back at full strength, which I think is going to add for a little bit of excitement at the end of the year. Final matchup I can talk about, West versus SLU, um, was the thrill in Manila, as I like to say. Uh, we went up big early, um, and SLU came back. And, I mean, the game within the last minute was just back and forth. Um, SLU ended up earning a five-meter um, with about 30 seconds left, um, and, and I think Justin Serber put that away, um, and they uh, they went, went away with a 10-9 win. So um, pretty exciting. Um, talking to Coach Butler, he was pretty happy with the crowd. Um, place was rocking, a lot of feet stomping. Um, so all in all, it was, I would say, a successful Lindbergh Invitational. Ray, I know you saw some scores. You want to throw in any recaps? Yeah, I mean, the only other things I'll add were um, I completely agree about St. Charles North. Uh, great add to the tournament by Coach Butler. They played four games while they were down here, and all of them were two-goal games. They beat DeSmet 7-5. to uh, We already talked about their 5-3 uh, to loss to Parkway West. Um, they also played uh, Marquette and won 8-6. to uh, So overall, it was just great to see those competitive games as we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, Lindbergh is one of my favorite places to watch watch games, particularly at the end of the Lindbergh invite. And while I was not at that SLU Parkway West game, uh, from everyone that was there that I, that I heard from, it sounded like that place was, was rocking, as you said. So great tournament. If you're looking at the scores, there's close games overall all the day. So great. Always fun to end the season with that one. All right. And we had uh... – we had a famous journalist poolside, Ray, and I know that you uh, like talking about him, so hit that up real quick. Yeah, so uh, Earl Austin came to cover the uh, Slew Marquette game on Thursday, uh, posted some interviews uh, as well as uh, some footage of those games. Uh, I went down just to thank him for coming by, but it's always great to have uh, people like him following our games. Uh, he was talking to a few of the 
coaches and ADs that were at that game, and it sounds like he's going to try and come by at least for another game during districts uh, in the coming weeks. So hopefully we'll see him again. And uh, I was talking I went, when I was in Houston this weekend. I was talking to one of the water polo coaches down there, um, and he mentioned that he had seen uh, some of Earl's footage on Twitter. So as I said, great, great to continue spreading uh, water polo through our social media. Yes, definitely. All right, moving on to Fast Break Forum on STL Today. Uh, we had someone post. They were trying to pick things back up, and they kind of asked the question that we were asking. Uh, obviously, this past weekend, we had the district seed meeting, and while there, we did nominate candidates for Player of the Year awards. So that would be Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, player of the year and then female player of the year so um sitting in on that meeting i know there were a lot of worthy candidates that were nominated by their coaches um so we'd be interested in what the fans think about um who should win um what award so um you know feel free to discuss as we always like to say keep it polite and appropriate as we are talking about high school kids and they're all working their tails off to be successful so we want to recognize that um and then our kind of oddball topic of discussion Let's talk about all-conference and all-district. Um, Ray, I was at the seed meeting on Sunday, um, and it was determined that we were going to have all-conference teams for the red for all three of the conferences. Um, and not only that, but we're going to have three all-conference groupings for each conference. So there should be a first team, a second team, and a third team all-conference for all three of our conferences. A lot of threes there. Was that confusing? <laughs> I think I got it. You got it. All right. Um, and then obviously from the all-conference selections, which should be coming out in a week, week and a half or so, um, from those all-conference selections, we'll move on to obviously having an all-district selection. Um, and I think last year we had a first, a second, a third, and maybe an honorable mention. Is that right? Please so. Okay. All right. And so that will obviously be released a lot closer to the um, date of the uh, – actually, I guess it will probably be released at the All-Star Game. So it won't be decided until right at the end of the district tournament. Um, as we like to say, that always gives a lot of coaches who might not have been able to see certain players play. Um, hopefully they're poolside during district. So if they have any questions about um, skill level or, or what somebody means to somebody's uh, particular team, they'll get an opportunity to watch that, that male or female play. Um, one of the discussions that we also talked about on the podcast was whether or not we wanted to have a uh, an all-district girls team. And I think this year, um, just in discussing with the coaches and I think voting on it, we decided we were going to have an all-district girls, girls team um, because we wanted to recognize uh, seven different girls um, because we had quite a few girls playing this particular season. So I'm pretty excited to see how that shakes out um, and hopefully that can garner some more support at the, uh, the end-of-the-year banquet, um, which, Ray... Um, because you're always heavily involved in. I know all I do is get on the microphone and talk. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the All-Star Game? Yeah, so uh, it's been announced now that the All-Star Game is going to be May 15 over at Lindbergh High School for what I think is now the third or fourth year, uh, starting at 4.30. Uh, we're going to have an all-girls game. Uh, it's been great to see that game continue to grow in numbers over the past couple of years. Uh, so there will be an all-girls game at 4.30. Let, let me pair up. Like, and females, just so you know, you do not have to be a senior to play in that game. So um, any and all girls that are playing high school water polo in St. Louis, whether you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, you are eligible to play in that 4.30 game is my understanding. Correct, correct. So uh, that game will be at 4.30. The uh, boys' senior all-star game will be uh, directly after that. That one it will probably be starting around 5.15, 5.30, depending on our exact timeline for that. And then immediately thereafter, we'll have the banquet um, where we'll be able to give out all these awards. So 
sounds like there's going to be a lot of awards to give out this year, which is uh, exciting. Also, as Coach mentioned, I think it's great. We're going to have an all-district all girls team this year as well. Um, let's keep the momentum rolling with uh, growing the sport. So all, all, uh, all those things, great to hear. Excellent, excellent. And obviously that leads into upcoming tournaments and games. And, Ray, as I mentioned a thousand times already, I was at the district seed meeting on uh, Sunday night, and I am going to guess, Ray, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to guess that you probably have a district tournament bracket with everybody's seeding sitting somewhere near you. Would I be right? Uh, you'd be right. <laughs> ah, I know I know my co-host too well. <laughs> Folks, let's be honest. Ray does the heavy lifting. All right. Anyhow, uh, Ray, talk to us about the bracket, and uh, I'll chime in when I, when I see fit. Yeah, so uh... – We've got the varsity and JV brackets. We both have the varsity bracket uh, kicks off on Thursday, May 2nd, uh, with a couple of play-in games. Uh, those games will be played at John Burroughs, uh, as well as Lafayette and Summit. Um, you can find those games online. Uh, those games should be some pretty close games. You got 16, 17, um, all the way up to uh, 12 versus a 21. So, and then Saturday will be when the, uh, the eight uh, games play from uh, starting with uh, SLU as the number one seed. Uh, we'll be playing against either Parkway North or John Burroughs. Uh, Parkway West took the two seed. Lindbergh took the three seed. And then Parkway South took the four seed. Uh, those games are going to be playing, being played across the area, unlike in past years where uh, some games were where we had all the games at Lindbergh or one of the other all deep pools. Uh, this year they're spread out a little bit. So, um, go to bowwaterpolo.com just to see where your specific game is going to be. Uh, there should be some pretty good games on Saturday. Uh, I'm interested particularly in the 8-9 Kirkwood-Ledoux matchup. Uh, Kirkwood's played Ledoux twice uh, this season. Uh, last time was during the DeSmet invite when Kirkwood beat Ledoux 10-6. But uh, as we've been talking about, Ledoux has been playing better, and I think that should be uh, a pretty exciting game on Saturday. You can see there's there's some other games going on on Saturday. Uh, the winner of those games will play on Tuesday, May 7th. And then uh, semifinals will be Thursday, May 9th. Finals will be Saturday, May 11th at the RecPlex. So as we talked about, Coach, those two, I mean, Saturday, I think there's going to be some close games for sure. Uh, but Tuesday and Thursday, there's a potential that um, all four of those games being played could be could be close games to be decided by other team. I would agree. Uh, I think it's $5 at the door. I don't think they're charging for this particular Thursday night games, but all those games on Saturday, I think it's $5 at the door. And then obviously Tuesday um, and then Thursday at the RecPlex and then uh, Saturday at the RecPlex. So um, should be a pretty wild week. Um, we're all holding our breath to find out what happens. I'm, I'm so thankful I'm not a coach. Oh, wait, I am. Anyhow, uh, we also have, and we'll touch on this real quick, um, obviously kind of going and uh, coinciding with the district varsity tournament. We do have the JV tournament. Um, they did do the JV seed meeting before our meeting. Um, they'll play, be playing kind of like parallel days. So uh, they'll be playing on uh, Monday and Wednesday and Friday, whereas varsity teams will, if they finish on or if they win on Saturday, will be playing on Tuesday Thursday and Saturday. So uh, a, a shout out to all those JV teams out there um, because they seeded and, and uh, it, it should be a pretty exciting weekend. Yeah. And so uh, the JV tournament, uh, there's a playing game on Thursday, but uh, most of the games start this Friday, May 3rd. 
St. Louis U High took the number one seed. Parkway West is the two seed. Lindbergh is the three seed. And Ledoux is the four seed. There's been a number of close games at the JV level um, all year. So, uh, once again, that's going to be an exciting tournament. And uh, as Coach just touched on, one of the things that um, I think you helped spearhead a couple years ago is uh, the fact now that uh, there's a day in between games. So, JV plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Varsity plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That allows for a little bit of coaching to take place between the games and also allows for um, us to be able to see, but, right? Also, also to be able to see both the JV and varsity games. I went to watch the JV championship last year at Lindbergh, and once again, that place was rocking. That's going to be a, the championship for the JV tournament. It's going to be six fifteen Friday, May tenth at Lindbergh. Whether or not you have a rooting interest in either of those teams, I would recommend you go over and watch that game because who's ever going to be in it? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans over there, and it's going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, some good uh, high-level uh, JV water polo, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and I think that kind of wraps up uh, what we're going to be talking about, Ray. We always like to hit off the team of the week. And, Ray, we're going to so, let you take this one. Team of the week. We didn't have a team of the week last week. Team of the week this week. This is like uh, the we'll, super team of the week. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I think I call it the grand team of the week. But uh, regardless <laughs> – uh, team of the week this week will go to St. Louis U High. They had a great uh, weekend. Uh, this last weekend was also the Ledoux JV invite, um, at which SLU went undefeated at that tournament. Um, had a good game to finish off the tournament against Parkway West, 6-3. Uh, and then obviously at the, the varsity tournament, we've already talked about that um, great Great final game. Keep uh, reminding they were, me. They were able to just inch out uh, Parkway West uh, 10 to 9, but uh, SLU uh, earns the number one seed in both the varsity and JV tournaments. Obviously, had a great, had a great regular season. Uh, John McCabe's played really well for them in goal. Um, we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the contributions from uh, people like Michael Kreinkamp, Andrew Zimmerman. Uh, but they also have a good cast of seniors. Uh, Garrett Baldus has played really well for them in two-meter. Luke Brower, Justin Serber, Jared Schneider, um, as well as a good supporting cast of juniors uh, like Will Fox, Kevin Flack, Adam Simakaitis. So um, just naming a few of their players. But uh, congrats to SLU. Uh, obviously, it's one thing to win the regular season. We'll see what happens when district play kicks off this week. Cool. All right, folks. Uh, our goal is, uh, I guess, potentially next Monday, depending on what's going on. Uh, we are hoping to have the legendary Don Casey on the podcast uh, to kind of give us a final rundown of, of districts. We will obviously have a better idea of who will be left um, playing after that Saturday. So, Coach Casey, it's a polo thing. If you're listening out there, uh, clear your calendar for Monday night because we, uh, we would like to chat. Um, and I think that about wraps it up. Ray, you got anything you want to add? I do not. All righty. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And this is the Nearside Low Podcast. Signing off. And here we are, Nearside Low Podcast, with a special guest for this particular week, uh, head coach of McKendry Water Polo. Uh, Colleen Lishway. Coach, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be we here. Are ex- 
We are excited to have you, as always. Um, you are our second female guest. We've had two I, two weeks in a row, which is pretty exciting for us. Um, and like we like to do with all of our guests, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of background. I know you hail from St. Louis and uh, and uh, left for a little bit and then came back. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from St. Louis. I played at Kirkwood High School, um, graduated in 2007, that went on to uh, Marist College, which is in Poughkeepsie, New York. It's a small school, Division One team. Um, and I had a lot of opportunity to improve, played with females for the first time, um, and got to participate in two national championship tournaments. Um, from there, I headed back and started coaching uh, with St. Louis Area Polo, which I am super stoked to be a part of, um, kind of got me into coaching a lot more, and then worked at Kirkwood um, as both an, both an assistant coach and uh, head coach over there, and now I'm head coach of men and women over at McKendry. Awesome. So uh, talk a little bit about your playing experience uh, going from first Kirkwood to go playing in Marist. Uh, talk a little, a little bit about that transition and your experience playing in those two NCAA tournaments. Yeah, so obviously the biggest transition was playing with females full time. Um, up until college, I'd spent about 95 percent of my career playing mostly co-ed, majority male. Um, I did play the USA water polo pipeline pipeline. It was the zone team at the time. ODP didn't exist yet, but it took me until playing in college to realize how much different the game is uh, for females than with males. Uh, there's obviously a lot more suit to grab. The pace of the game is different and not so much learning a whole new sport, but there were some major differences for me to adjust to. But I think that, you know, having this experience playing with males to get started was awesome for me um got me in there a little bit quicker and then yeah having the opportunity to play two national championship tournaments is one of the greatest experiences i've ever had i'm super super lucky lucky to be able to have done that um multiple times but in all honesty i think it took me a long time to realize how big the opportunity and how big the experience actually was uh there are very few teams that get to partake in a tournament like that, um, especially at, you know, the the collegiate water polo level where there are so few teams competing in the first place. Uh, it was a whole different ball game, uh, and I'm super grateful to have had that opportunity. All right. So uh, on your journey, obviously, you mentioned St. Louis area polo, mm -hmm. helped out with coaching there. I remember, obviously, uh, competing against you when you were the head coach at Kirkwood for a couple of years. And now you're at McKendry. So what drew you into coaching after you kind of got out of the of maybe playing the sport? And at what point I, I'm guessing with you being at McKendry, coaching is pretty much full time for you. At what time did you decide that? you know, uh, I, this is something I want to do full time. Right. So it took me until after I finished playing to realize that I can't really live without the sport. Um, it was pretty clear in my mind, finishing up my playing career, what I wanted to do. Uh, my focus educationally and um, career wise was to go the environmental science route. Um, I was working with local farmers and I absolutely loved my job. Um, got to coach polo on the side and slowly that, you know, side gig became something that I was doing more and more and getting more and more opportunities to do. And um, when I realized that I was okay giving up this other job that I had that I loved, um, it seemed 
only natural to uh, start coaching a little bit more full time. And I didn't plan on having the experience that I've had thus far, but it's the best possible way for me to have learned, you know, how to be a collegiate coach and how to get better. Um, and I mean, every day is a step up for me. And I, I just can't imagine what life would be like if I had just quit playing and then moved on from polo. It's it's super unrealistic to me, honestly. So you've been at McKendry since that program started now approaching four years ago. Um, talk a little bit about um, how you've been involved with the process of building that program um, and how that program compares now to what you expected when you started. <laughs> yeah. So um, I did not know what to expect uh, going into the position. And I don't think in a million years I could have guessed that uh, this team and my coaching career with McKendry would have progressed in the way that it did. Um, I have virtually held every single possible position as a water polo coach at McKendry. I started as a GA. Um, I became an interim head coach of both programs, a true assistant, um, and now head coach of both programs. And it has been a crazy learning experience for me. And, uh, and for the, by fire. Yes, right? it, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, then you kind of get thrown in there and uh, makes it a little bit more difficult, but you get to figure things out as you go. And I think that's where I kind of excel is working under pressure. But um, you know, every year has been met with a lot for me to overcome and for the athletes to overcome. And um, it's made me a stronger person, a more patient person, definitely a better coach. And same with the athletes. Um, the guys and girls that we have have created between me and them and each other a team bond beyond belief, just getting through all the things and changes that they have gone through over the years on top of being a brand new team. Um, we grew massively very, very quickly. We're going to be up to, I think, 64 kids next year between men and women. Um, and I really love the challenge of starting something new and, you know, learning that mistakes don't necessarily mean failure. Um, I'm much more patient of a person I've learned how to vary things for different learning styles and uh, the expectations for both programs for me are growing really, really fast. And I think that, you know, we have the opportunity to do some really good things for polo in the Midwest. Okay. So you mentioned uh, 64 kids. So tell us a little bit about the makeup of your team. I mean, do you have 32 total athletes on the, on the varsity male squad and 32 total athletes on the varsity female squad? Or do you guys, if I'm reading this correctly, maybe you have a combination of a varsity and a club team. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, correct. So on the, when both programs were, six, uh, were conceived, um, essentially the idea was year one, both men and women are a club program, and we kind of work our way into varsity. Um, and pretty quickly, the university decided, you know, that we can make this a bigger thing. We can grow the sport in the area and kind of be, you know, the, the deciding factor for a lot of other schools in the area to start adding polo teams. Um, so we decided on the men's side to go with both a, a club team and a varsity team. So um, each year, our preseason on the men's side, this is just year one of doing both, but um, the, our preseason also kind of doubles as a tryout and everybody, you know, comes in, fingers crossed, in shape and ready to go. And uh, we sit down and determine the 
best group of athletes to represent our varsity squad and who represents the club squad. Um, and it's given everybody way more of an opportunity to gain experience that they need to gain. Maybe, you know, they want to play polo. They want to play at the varsity level, but need a little bit more work to get there. That's totally an option. And then we also have kids that, you know, they love water polo. They want to play, uh, but they don't want that full-time commitment of varsity sports. So we're able to give everyone pretty much anything that they can want um ideally we have i believe 41 42 on the men's side next year ideally it's 21 and 21 um in a perfect world but who knows if we'll we'll be there or not and then the women just have the varsity team but i do if anybody wants to take a step back from that varsity playing um i do offer the opportunity for them to play club as well so we kind of get to attract anybody that loves the sport and just wants to keep playing or wants to compete at a higher level. Great. So we had, uh, I think we had one of your assistants, Chef Passwater on earlier and, and he had kind of talked a little bit about some of the successes you guys had had this year. Um, so if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your men's and women's team for this particular year, any St. Louis athletes that are excelling at that level. Um, yeah, hit on that. Sure. So our men's team had undoubtedly our, best, most successful season uh, to date. We had our first winning season. Um, on top of that, we won our conference. Uh, we went into the conference championship as the number four seed, knowing that we were a much stronger team than we had been at the beginning of the year, than we had been at years past. And again, you know, we have this really, really tight team bond that helps us get through the hard parts of practices, the hard parts of games. And uh, we went out there and, you know, second round, we played Gannon, who was at the time the only undefeated team in the country. And we worked for it. We planned for it. We had a strategy and went in there and um, led, I think, the entire game and ended up beating them pretty handily, which brought us to our conference championship game. And, you know, it took, it went down to the wire. We won by one goal, but uh, it was absolutely amazing to only three years into the program, two years varsity uh, to win a conference championship, to get to compete at the next level um, and really represent the Midwest, but also a new program, um, show people what we can do and they can't they can't look beyond McKendry. Um, I do have a handful of athletes on the men's side that are from St. Louis. Uh, Michael Krause, who's a former SLU player, is one of our captains and one of our biggest leaders on the team. Um, he will be a senior next year, and I'm already uh, mourning the loss of him on our team <laughs> because he is he is a great kid. In he's Mountain a good kid. He is, yeah, he is. He's, he's awesome. Um, we also have our center player, uh Abe Allen, who played slap, he went to Webster, okay. so he didn't have he was a Webster of, kid. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, not lots of opportunities to play high school, but he has made huge steps up um, on a yearly basis. Um, and then we had one more freshman, Jackson Spencer, who went to uh, Fort Zumwalt and uh, took the opportunity to play a lot of slap and club. Uh, traveled a lot. He's a super fast swimmer. Great kid and you know, made the varsity squad right away, and it is a super key play for us up and down the pool. Um, does a lot. He can go in the center. He can shoot outside. He's, like I said, really fast, great counterattack player. Um, and it's awesome to see all of these St. Louis guys making an immediate impact on the team. And hopefully that means uh, these St. Louis guys will keep coming out to us and 
wanting to play at a higher level. Um, on the women's side, we don't have as many um, from St. Louis, but we do have a couple. Um, Hannah Baker, Grace Copeland, um, both hardworking players, ready to go, make an impact right away. And Hannah, I'll use as an example, came in as a freshman who went to Oakville, didn't have tons and tons of playing experience, and just completely blossomed as an athlete this year. She has one of our most accurate shots on the team. She is a constant light for us, always positive, even when it's hard and people are upset about the work that they're doing. She always keeps people, you know, positive and where they need to be. So I think that, you know, having players like that, uh, we're making big, big, big steps forward. And our conference on the women's side is a little bit more difficult. Um, but the playing field certainly this year from last year was way more even, um, we're challenging teams in our conference. So uh, I have big expectations for both, for both teams. I get to be a lot more nitpicky when I'm coaching. Um, and it's really nice to see how hard they want to work and how much they want to get better and, you know, represent for the school. So one thing that I was uh, particularly impressed about this year, uh, especially on the men's side, talking about those uh, big wins you had late in the season uh, was the fact that um, you were pretty much playing with, uh, three years worth of athletes because uh, your team hadn't yet been four years old. So um, as you continue to move forward, next year will be what I believe is your first uh, first group of kids where you actually have all, all four years represented. So um, talk a little bit about uh, your goals for the future uh, with these teams um, and how you envision your programming, your program continuing to grow uh, in the future. Yeah, you're right. This this upcoming year will be the first year on the men's side at all that we've had anybody graduate. Um, I think I'll have 10 or 11 seniors next year, which will be really, really nice to finally have leadership. Some of those athletes that can that know what to expect, know what I want, um, know what needs to be done in order to succeed. Uh, they haven't really had that. They've had leadership all four years, but now they can really, really step up and kind of come into their own. On the women's side, we've had a handful of people come in as transfers or JC players that have come in um, with experience and then moved on. Um, but I'm really, really expecting that both teams will continuously improve. Every year, our recruiting classes have been stronger than the last. Um, and, you know, in, in simplest terms, I want to win more. Uh, we, we are getting <laughs> <Love> <laughs> right? <to hear> that. <laughs> right? Um, we have we have had so many opportunities to bring in really talented players from really talented high schools and clubs that are well known, you know, coached by really, really great coaches. And all of that is telling me that, you know, the, the players that I'm recruiting, the players that my team helps me to recruit, um, want to learn and they want, they know what it means to fully commit and to put in that hard work and, you know, manage your time with academics and everything else that's going on. And, you know, ideally the men will, uh, be ranked next year. I think that's a absolutely, something that is doable for us. Um, and, you know, overall, I think that we can really become a household name. Um, you know, McKendry is a school that you consider when you're looking at playing in college. It's not, it's not, Ooh, I haven't heard of this school yet. And we are stepping up year by year. And so, uh, there's, there's five men coming in next year, seven women. It's a super diverse class. Um, 
both teams already are from all over the country. So I'm expecting big things from both sides. All right. So uh, you probably don't know this, but Ray and I, we both have four years of NCAA college eligibility left. So, uh, <laughs> not that you want to recruit us, but anyhow, uh, what, I mean, what do you guys have to offer? Like to McKendry, if, if you're, you're trying to sell the school and the sport, um, to some of the St. Louis guys, or maybe maybe you're going to Illinois, or maybe you're going to get somebody from California. Um, what are the selling points? What do you tell them? Um, why should they come to McKendry? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to yeah, no a little problem. bit. Um, so I think one of the the biggest things that has been you know a draw academically is we have a 14 to one student teacher ratio. Me personally, I need to be the person that asks questions. I need to, I need my professors to know my name. I'm the one that's constantly raising my hand and I seem to have a lot of student athletes that are the same way. So it's really nice just to come in right off the bat. We offer a ton of majors. We ta- offer, you know, even up to like we have coaching classes that they can take. So the school is very sports oriented. It's about 60% student athletes. So your experience as an athlete at McKendry um, comes full circle. Your teachers will come to your games. They want to help you. They want to be active when you are when you are traveling. They, I've skyped with professors before. I've texted with professors before when I was getting my own masters. And I know some of my athletes have had that opportunity too to really really feel supported by the school. Um, same with our president. He swam he's from california he swam at occidental college um when he was when he was younger and then was actually a swim coach at usc for a handful of years so he's very aquatics oriented you see him at our games all the time and i think it's really really rare that students student athletes get to know their president get to you know have a bond with the community um outside of the classroom outside of their sport and we certainly certainly offer that um but I think that there is a very s- certain kind of person that can, you know, leave California and come to the middle of the country, you know, Lebanon, Illinois, very small town and have success. And they're able to make it something of their own. They, you know, they they're constantly my athletes are constantly going and supporting other teams and leading cheers and, um, you know, exploring St. Louis, exploring the area around and. Frankly, if I, you know, if I'm being honest, I get the kids to come out on recruit trips, but it's my athletes that really end up selling the school. It's a great experience. Um, and it kind of sells itself, honestly. Uh, my athletes have a desire to grow. They get to travel way more than schools in, in California would where, you know, they're hopping on a bus on Tuesday night and driving two hours away, playing a game and heading back. Um, we go East Coast, we go West Coast, and we get to, um, really look into the future a little bit more, uh, a lot more traveling than some other schools get to go to. We mix up who we play. Um, and that has all been something that, you know, factors into my recruiting on a regular basis. But on the men's side, you know, we have the opportunity to give any type of athlete the opportunity to play varsity level, club level, kind of on the fence. Um, and that, you know, give some kids opportunities that maybe wouldn't have lots of other opportunities. Uh, as a recruiter myself, I look, I like to look for those diamonds in the rough. Um, and I think I have a lot of those and, uh, it's what's been making us successful and growing. And, uh, hopefully that continues to happen. 
Talk a little bit about uh, your relationship between the administration at McKendry and, and your team. I mean, uh, having 64 athletes in a program uh, definitely means your program is bringing people to campus. Um, and is for us in the Midwest as a whole, we always enjoy seeing teams excel and, and have uh, have schools that are appreciative of and support their program. So um, talk, talk a little bit about uh, just the relationship between McKendry and water polo and uh, how you feel the administration views the program. Yeah. So um, with, I think there's 55 of us right now. Um, we're everywhere. Uh, water polo, you know, cannot hide from the admin, from other sports, from our professors. We're in the stands of all these other games. Um, we invite the admin out to our practices as much as possible. So they're still learning the sport, you know, um, we're lucky to have an associate AD who, who was previously at a school in California and was on the uh, water po- the WWPA water polo committee for his school. So he knows a lot, but we're still teaching the sport and um, it's really fun to see how the admin is learning and understanding that it's different from football. It's different than basketball. It's different than, you know, these, these sports that are a little bit more common and offered at a lot more schools. So they're still learning. They're completely on board with everything that we are doing and want the school to grow um, as a water polo school, but also with, uh, you know, our, our university is part of the GLVC conference and they are going out and, you know, rallying for other schools in the GLVC to start water polo. They are working with the CWPA to get more schools um, water polo aware. And so hopefully in the future, we'll see a lot more teams join up with us and uh, kind of hopefully we get to be that Midwest powerhouse of water polo and then expand from there. But uh, I think that the admin, as they learn more about our sport, as they see us succeed, they get more and more excited about it. Um, And, you know, our, our athletes are becoming like, Oh, that's the great water polo goalie that we have, or, or, you know, whoever, whoever it is, they're getting a lot more recognition. Um, And it's awesome to see and, the guys and girls certainly deserve it. So it's been fun. And then on that topic of growth, I mean, obviously McHenry at the college level has been contributing to growth there, but talk a little bit about the potential for water polo, maybe even at the youth levels in Lebanon, Illinois, you guys have some great uh, aquatics facilities over there. Uh, Do you envision that growing water polo for grade school, middle school, high school uh, might be something that, uh, McKendrick might be involved with in the future? I think so. I mean, um, personally, water polo is super, super important to me. And one of my goals is to continuously grow the sport in the Midwest, you know, in the St. Louis region and, and you know, in for the entire country. I think it's important that everybody that wants to learn the sport, everybody that loves the sport gets to play. Um, and I mean, you guys are super involved as coaches, as players, as officials. And, you know, we, we do this stuff because we're passionate about the sport and it wouldn't be worth it to me if we didn't get to share that passion. Um, so, you know, we, we plan on hosting clinics in the future and, you know, we've already had some of our men's athletes do a couple um, camps. A couple of them came out uh, when Janai Kerr did a five meter camp there and helped coach. And 
Um, we constantly have, you know, members that are, that are swimming at our pool, um, during our practices, asking us about the sport. Ask, I have people come up to me all the time asking how their kid can get involved. Um, and hopefully we can expand locally and make it a little bit more attainable for, you know, people that haven't experienced the sport, whether it's at a high school or a club level. Um, I can introduce that to them a little bit more. And, you know, collegiately, I want to be the team that breaks the mold. I want to be the team that, you know, people want to come to McKendry because they know that the sport is growing there. They know we're a successful team. And, you know, it doesn't matter that we're not in California. It doesn't matter that we're not on the East Coast uh, because we are constantly making a good, positive name for ourselves, setting an example for other teams in the Midwest. And hopefully that inspires some of our local high school and club athletes to, you know, want to go on to the next level. And I don't think I'm doing my job if I don't inspire younger kids to want to do that. All right, Coach, we uh, want to thank, uh, thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, if anybody has any questions, obviously uh, we can try and get you in contact with Co- Coach Colleen. We're starting districts next week. We hope to see maybe you or one of your assistants poolside. I'd uh, love to chat at some point in time. Yeah. Ray, you got anything you want to add? I do not. All right, Coach, we want to pre- appreciate it again. Your Side Low Podcast signing off.